What's going on, fam? Welcome to the Get the Bag podcast, episode 27. We're approaching 30. That's crazy. Wow. That's so crazy. crazy. Uh, I'm your host, Gladia Castro. Got my co-host, Tim Park. Uh, and just a quick hey, reminder, as I always say, it's a live show. Uh, we do have a guest today, so please post your questions uh, for our guests uh, throughout the conversation as they come up. Uh, and of course, show some love, hit the subscribe button, like, reminders, follow us on IG. We're, the, today's episode is going to be so great. I've been very much looking forward to it. I've been really, we were just talking about it earlier. I was really mm -hmm. bugging him, uh, very persistent <laughs> to get him on because he's been doing amazing things. Uh, our guest today is part of Chris Jefferson's Charge Up You program. Shout out to the U. I always like to show some love to Chris. Um, but our guy's from New upstate New York. He's been wholesaling for about two years. And it really wasn't yep. until he niched down into wholesaling land where things really started picking up um, and, and just made sense for him. So we're going to be digging a little bit deep into what it's like wholesaling land, what the process looks like. So really, really excited to have my guy on here. Let's welcome Chuck McEwen to the Get the Bag podcast. What's going on, Chuck? Hey, what's going on, family? How's everyone doing? What is up, man? What's going on, my guy? It's, it's going good. It's going good. I'm glad to be here. I'm very excited to be here. Um, Gigi, she told you guys a small story about it. Uh, she's been not uh, bugging me to get on. She put pressure on me. I, I could tell yeah. that story a little bit later on today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you deserve it. You've been working your ass off, uh, and it's only right to for people to see what what you got going on. So, uh, for for the people that don't know you, like, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, just, man, when people ask me that question, I kind of get stuck. So I'm like, where do I start? You know? Anywhere. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, so just just a little bit about myself. So um, originally I'm from Brooklyn, New York. You know, just regular guy, man, just trying to do something different. Um, you know, create gener generational wealth for my family. Um, I could go into that whole spill, but that spills for a whole nother day. That's a topic I really love talking about. Um, but yeah, man, like I said, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I've uh, been in wholesaling for roughly around two years, as a matter of fact. Next month will be uh, almost two, I mean, two years for me. Um, for the first year, it's been really rough. Um, literally, like after the first year, I started dabbling into land. Uh, people have been talking about land, this land, that. So I started dabbling into it. And then things just took off for me. Um, so I'm very excited to talk a little bit more about that. Love it. Yeah, that's I great. Or definitely curious about it. Or we, like we were talking about earlier, I don't think many people understand like oh you can wholesale land like what does that mm -hmm. look like mm -hmm. absolutely um so it's actually a very simple process um you know you hear this a lot there, there's not a lot of uh legwork to do with land honestly it's uh finding a person and it's not always about being in a distressed situation with land it's finding someone who had a land for so long um, and just reaching out to them to see if they're interested in selling. A lot of times uh, you can get these land deals for very, very cheap. And then uh, you can go ahead and sell it to a builder or a land flipper, either or, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, there's there's no dealing with tenants, no dealing with, uh, you know, the house or, you know, anything dramatic that comes with, you know, dealing with the house, with uh, rehab and stuff like that. It's just dirt. Once you get it under contract, you literally just move it over to it. And buyer and uh, yeah. growing escrow and then wait for the deal to close. 
Yeah. So we'll dig a little bit deeper into that, but backtracking a little bit, what were, mm -hmm. what were you doing before you got into land? Like you said, the first year was kind of a struggle. Like for first off, like how kind of did you tumble into wholesaling and then, yeah, kind of going into okay, like how so that first year went. Let's talk about the struggles, man. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. So uh, it, it's funny how I actually uh, got into wholesaling. But, uh, you know, prior to getting into wholesaling, so I think it was that, geez, I want to say four years ago, when I actually started learning about what entrepreneurship is, I started getting into just the space of entrepreneurship. I read this book. I'm pretty sure most of us read the book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, the one that really took me over the edge was Casco Quadrant. Um, at this time, too, I was living in Florida. In Florida, it, it was kind of interesting, too, because all my life I grew up in New York. I see people like me. Um, and, you know, not everybody knows the things that's available in this world to do. So I wind up moving to Florida, um, you know, because of my grandmother. I'm out there and I see a totally different lifestyle. Like people, the average car out there was literally like a, um, a Mercedes Benz uh, E-Class. That, that was literally the average where I was staying at least. All right. Um, fast forward, I wind up reading this book. Uh, I don't want to get into the whole entire story of how I did that. I don't want to take up too much of you guys' time. <laughs> but I wind up reading this book. This book really caught my interest. I was in college at the time. Um, and literally ever since I read that book, and mind you, I'm a person who I was very cheap. I would not spend money. I wouldn't do anything. Um, I, I literally wouldn't go anywhere. I just save, 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 save. Um, but now I realize you couldn't do that. So, because your money is just losing value every time it's like sitting in the bank. Right. But, uh, you know, I read this book. Literally, the moment I read that book, everything changed for me. My entire life and perspective just changed. So I started dabbling into uh, entrepreneurship. I started buying courses. I was just blowing everything I had in my account. Doing it the wrong way, but, you know, someone who's young and ambition, uh, just trying. Um, I wind up doing what is called uh, drop shipping. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with mm -hmm. this. Yep. I dabbled a little bit into FBA. Uh, and I also did a program, it was, it was called MOBE. MOBE stands for My Online Business Education. Mm -hmm. Those guys almost, almost got away with robbery, taking away my mm -hmm. But they was caught from the FTC, I believe it's called. And I got my money back. Then I took that money and I put it into FBA drop. I mean, FBA Amazon and then uh, mm -hmm. drop shipping. And then I lost a lot of money. I think I was in the hole roughly almost 15 grand. Yeah, that's then, crazy. It is. It is. And then uh, fast forward, I'm like, all right, I can't keep rinsing, repeating this process of me trying to do something and it's obviously not working. It's been almost two years now, right? Uh, my uncle has been doing wholesaling for years, never really picked up or kicked off for him just as yet. Um, but he's always told me about it. So I said, you know what? I, I was very in a depressed state. I said, you know what? I got to find another business. Let me try to do wholesaling. Now, wholesaling, honestly, was a little bit scary to me because you're, you're dealing with real people here. You're dealing right. with <laughs> properties, attorneys. That stuff was scary to me. I was like, I don't know if I could do this, but I still did it because I knew there was something more than what I was doing. Um, so the first year of wholesaling, it took it, it, it literally wasn't that easy for me. But I think the biggest thing which I'm going to be talking about was the inconsistency in the business mm -hmm. of the first year that most of us go through. 
Mm. Um, not really spending money on marketing or doing things that I need to do or doing the right things that I need to do to put myself in a position to win. Um, then I, I started on, I know when every, when, uh, when the pandemic happened, everybody was on clubhouse, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, you got the pass. <laughs> so I wound up meeting a, a, a cool guy over there. Um, and we wound up actually closing our first deal together. I got, he sent me the list. I, uh, wind up calling a list. I don't remember really exactly. I think it was, oh, it was a fire damage list. I wound up calling the list. Guy had a property. He didn't want to sell the land. He had another property. He was interested in selling his property. He was, he was living in, got it locked up. I had that guy, uh, you know, find a buyer. He found a buyer and got it done. But prior to that, I want to get a little bit into that story. Um, I was in my market, my hometown. I'm in upstate New York near Syracuse. And I was trying to wholesale in my area. Right. right. Um, I wind up getting four deals on the con. No, I'm sorry, five deals on the contract and couldn't sell none of them before. Mm. And that's mainly because the market was just wrong. I was not in the right market. There wasn't people actively buying. There was investors, but there was people who were buying it at prices that worked for them. Or they, they really wasn't familiar with the process of wholesaling. So, you know, that really didn't stop me from going because I, I looked at it as, hey, if everybody else is making this thing work, there gotta be a way for me to make it work. There's just mm-hmm. that I'm not doing correctly, that I need to do correctly, and I need to figure it out. Uh, so fast forward back to that uh, clubhouse meetup. I wind up meeting this guy. He sent me the list. We got the deal done. I got my first check. Uh, I keep it right next to me. Oh, nice. I have mine too. <laughs> have my friend. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, seventeen hundred dollars, just a little bit over that, uh, and, and that right there really just. It was proof of concept to me um, that it can be done for sure. Um, and then what I wind up doing literally two weeks after that, I wind up closing another huge deal with uh, my guy, uh, my guy, Ty. I think you guys had him on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, shout out to Ty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ty. Yeah. We wind up closing on the big one. It was $30,000. We split three way between me, Ty, and Mike. That was mm-hmm. my second one. And then um, a little bit after that, I was like, you know what? I'm sitting there trying to get things going myself now. I hired a VA. I'm trying to get pick things up with houses. It's just still not working for me. I don't know why. So just dabbling a little bit more into Clubhouse, people were talking about land. So I'm like, all right, let me just try this land thing. And ever since then, it's just been, it's literally- On the way up. Yeah. yeah. I've closed several deals. I've closed, today I have another closing. So it counts 16. Um, deals that I've closed so far, and I have two more in escrow. Love man, it. That's what's up. I love that. I love Thank that, you. man. Like going back to, I guess, some of the struggles that you were going through. Um, you know, you had mentioned uh, consistency. Um, what are some of the hurdles that you were going through aside from that, or is that the main main hurdle that you were going through when you started? Um, consistency wasn't necessarily proof of concept, but I guess it was more believing in myself that I personally can get it done because the concept was already proven that others was getting it done, but it was mainly self-doubt. Doubt. One mm. thing I would share with people is that I had a lot of self-doubt in myself. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I tend to still do that. Like I'm still doing okay for myself. And then my girlfriend would be like, you need to, you need to uh, give yourself some props. You need to go out when you close a deal and, and celebrate. I don't do what mm-hmm. I want which is bad. It's not good to do that. But a lot of times it's just me overthinking things. And I have the tendency of doing that sometimes. 
Um, but I, I've worked through that at the beginning of this year. One thing that really did help me, Tim, is I started um, this mindset thing that I created myself. So uh, I broke it down to six different phases. I don't want to get into the, all of it, but I broke it down to six different phases. So each month for half of the year, I would do something different. So, for example, the first month, January, I didn't watch TV for 21 days. So I did like a 21-day um, detox mm-hmm. mindset and consuming things and just getting myself right. The next month, I did a 21-day with, 21-day cleanse with music and so on and so forth. So I'm still doing that now. Um but that's what helped me with mindset. I love that. I, that that's awesome. a, I, I think that's um, that's a really key point in mindset because, I mean, Tim and I, we both talked about like, especially when you, you kind of go through your dry spells, like you need to be mentally tough. And that when it gets tough, that's where people give up, right? That's where it's like the 90% of entrepreneurs quit because they're, they're so close. And then it's like one thing that just goes wrong and just sets everything off. So it's important to kind of keep that structure um, and kind of hold yourself accountable one way or another, challenging yourself um, to like be just mentally prepared for whatever it is. I have this book uh, called The Intentional Day that I use where um, it's kind of a, a thing for creating like habits. And so one of mine actually this month is like no TV, but it's, um, I don't just go straight cold Turkey. Maybe you're a little bit better than I am like for, for that. Cause uh, you know, it just kind of happens, you know, it's NBA finals too. So I can't just, <laughs> I can't just not watch it, but I, I do it where it's like, okay, five days of this out of seven days, I'm not going to watch TV. You can start small. Um, but I, I think that's great that you kind of create that discipline in yourself that kind of obviously created that momentum to like your success, the success yeah. that you're in now. Um, so talk about, okay, you've, you've kind of you mentally prepared. You like, okay, let me dabble in land. What, what, what was your first step? Like in terms of picking a market, like talk about like what that process was like. Gotcha. So I think that's that's everyone's uh, biggest issue, even with houses, is picking a market, yeah. finding something that works. Um, and, and how do you know, especially as a new wholesaler, like how do you know this, this market is a market that works? The way I came to realize that is, hey, if you see consistent deals going on and in Facebook groups, you get a lot of people who are posting their deals because they're happy about the deals that they've closed. You can take a look. They'll tell you where they closed it. You know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, um, even in Clubhouse, I've spoken to several people and they're like, I, I'm in this market, um, I'm in that market. And honestly, I just went with a market. I didn't make it very, uh, I didn't very, make it very complex. So what I wound up doing when I first dabbled into it was I was in uh, Orlando, Florida, right? I don't know why I chose Orlando, but I, cho- I chose Orlando but then I came to realize after a month and a half that I'm wasting my time in. And sometimes you're gonna have to re- you're gonna have to do that. You're gonna have to spend mm-hmm. money. Tests and trials. Yeah, yeah. And you got to pivot That's too. Yeah. Business. Um, I got a, I got two deals locked up in that area. I couldn't move it mainly because of uh, a big issue out there is wetlands, and a lot of buyers don't want to deal with properties as wetland because obviously it's, it's an issue to build on. Um, so I wind up moving moving markets but what i really wound up doing which helped me um was i i reached out to a builder i typed in on um on google builders in orlando i reached out to several builders 
And there was this one builder in particular who actually had a list of this, of um, you know buy box criteria where where they were purchasing all the markets inside of Florida that they were purchasing in. Um, and literally when they gave me that, I then catered my business according to that. I actually mm. went in those markets and did a little bit more research. The research that I did was I jumped on either Redfin or Zillow. You could jump on there and kind of filter single family house uh, recently built within the last year. Um, what else should you put in? Oh, you're mainly just putting in those two. And you're going to see how much traction, how much activity is going on in that area, how many new properties are being built, because that's what's going to tell you whether or not you're in a decent market as far as uh, people actively buying lots and building. And that's exactly what I did what to find my, my, my market. I love that. I think awesome. uh, it's it's really not that complicated. And I think as human beings, we, we just complicate the shit out of everything. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, just keep it, just keep it simple. Uh, and we've talked about also on, on, on the podcast, like first off, like how to reach out to networking with builders, buyers, investors, mm-hmm. um, and kind of doing also, we've talked about marketing, like doing the reverse engineering. Um, like, yeah, just, it's as simple as checking what's been recently built in the area. If there's maybe one or two in the last year, you're probably not the great market there for lots. Um, so you kind of did a reverse engineering tactic of like seeing what's been built and you reached out to a builder and one mm-hmm. was in, kind enough to kind of share a buy box and yep. you were able to take that from there. Um, so that's, those are like little action steps that make a huge difference where maybe people would have been stuck doing the same thing and, and then given up because they're like, Oh, I've tried everything. Well, have you really, uh, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not. Um, so you kind of had that like awareness to do that. So I, I love that you kind of, you know, cause not many people have that or they just kind of really try to force it. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. That happens all the time. Um, and the thing is, is when you know, you want something out of life, you got to go with it. Yeah. You know, everyone is given the same opportunity, obviously some. If you want to be real, some have easier opportunities or not necessarily easier opportunities, but, you know, it's easier for other people to make, you know, I guess, better situations out of themselves or out of their, their, their situations. But whatever the case is, every one of us have um, a chance at life to do something. Um, and if you if you literally want to make something of yourself, you're going to do whatever it is that you have to do to get there. You know? yeah. yeah, absolutely. And catering yeah. too, to, um, I, I think many people too, like once you find a really good buyer or builder, mm-hmm. like, you know, cultivate that relationship as well. Um, I think I've talked to, to the both of you guys too, about, um, the investors that I've kind of connected in my area, um, where it was like, you know, we just had a really good respect for one another. I brought him a good deal and he was like, Hey, mm-hmm. let's, let's work together. And like, these are the areas I'm looking to buy. And I'm like, I have a... I mean, you don't want to put your eggs all in one basket, of course, but if you have this relationship, this trust, you can just kind of like uh, build your business through that. And then you have the foundation set in place so that you can take it anywhere. So um, I, I just, I just love the fact that we're, you know, you're, you're kind of implementing that uh, mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. 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 Just building those relationships is crucial to, you know, your business, whether you're in land or you're doing regular wholesaling, I think that's that. And then along with that is the process, you know, and uh, that's, I guess that leads us up to the next question is like, once you get a land deal, 
what's kind of your process and yeah. um, what's the next step for you once you get that uh, locked up? Okay, so, uh, and I love talking about land so much. I think I'm very passionate about land, uh, mainly because it's just, huh? <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> mainly because it's just such a simple and easy process, you know, yeah. for anybody who's struggling to get a deal done in uh, wholesaling. Now, you don't have to focus heavily on land, but just know that there is opportunity had it or not had, but there is opportunity in land that uh, you definitely can take advantage of for sure. But, uh, you know, once I get a deal locked up, typically um, I'm literally working with one, not one, but two to three buyers. Now I have a good buyers, buyers list, but most of them don't really perform or mm -hmm. they, if they perform, they perform probably once every six months or something along those lines. So I literally have two, two to three guys, mainly two guys that I work with all the time and I just shoot my deal to them and they're, they're taking it right off the bat. So literally my process is, hey, once I get a deal locked up, mainly because it's virtual, I'm actually emailing the uh the title company, the uh, contract between me and the seller. And I'm also including the seller inside that email so that they can see a process is being started. Okay. Then I'm sending it directly to my buyer. Um, my buyer more than likely is going to take it. If it's a deal, we're going to get it locked up. I'm going to send a separate email, uh, included him with the escrow company uh, to just get the title process started. Once the title process is uh, started, everything is just taken out of taken from my hand and put in their hands. And then I just have a follow-up process that um, I'm constantly following back up with the title company or they keeping me informed as to what's going on uh, with the, uh, the deal that we're working on and up until a closing date. And also one thing that I think is huge that most people don't do is uh, follow up with your leads on a, weekly, on a weekly basis, at least once a week to inform mm -hmm. them of what's going on. Even if nothing is going on, you let them know. Well, you reach out to them and see if they have any questions or concerns to you. One thing people love is um, is, is 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 someone who's actually uh, is going to stand by their word and mm -hmm. uh, actually keep them informed about everything that's going on. Especially because you don't know them. Especially if you haven't seen them and everything is done over the phone, you have to find a way to build that credibility and maintain that credibility. I've had several people, not once, but several people say. Charles, man, wow, your your customer service is excellent. I've never mm -hmm. gotten service like this, and I've sold several other properties uh, to other people, and they've never constantly reached out to me or kept me informed. I really appreciate you. Um, right. So that's typically my process up until closing. Yeah, I think it's uh, that's where you really treat it like a business, not mm -hmm. like a side hustle. Is yeah, I mean, we are in the business of like customer service, right? In the sense, like once you, especially once you get it locked up is being proactive to and communicate and communicating what's going on. Um, I've also learned I rather over communicate than under communicate where Absolutely. I never want the seller having to hit me up. Hey, what's right. that? But there are those exactly. needy sellers where like they mm -hmm. want an update maybe every day. Every day, um, yeah. But I try to set expectations as well. And this is a key point to also set with your sellers um, in, in just anything, right. Whether it's going over the, the agreement, like, Hey, we still have to do our due diligence. This, you know, depending on what it is for land, it may be a little bit different, right. We may be talking about, Hey, it may take up to 60 business days because we need to run some tests, mm -hmm. soil tests, perked, and maybe we can like dig a little bit into that. But then once you get locked up, 
hey, this is what you should expect. I'll follow up with you on a weekly basis. The title company should reach out. Like it's over communicating, having that down so that mm -hmm. it does come off like you're professional, like you're a real company and uh, building that credibility like you talked about. Um, so I think that's a huge, huge bar for sure. Um, but yeah, tell us about like, cause I think people get overwhelmed with land cause they, they get confused with like, well, what's a, what's a park test? What's a soil test? Like, what are some things like when, when putting in offers to like to consider, um, and when you're going through the script, what kind of questions should you even ask? Like people are like, I don't even know what to ask. What, like there's no house. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, gee, that, that's such a great question. Um, that's a question that I struggled with before up until, you know, I, I finally got the flow of things. So essentially you, you want to be asking them um, kind of like not necessarily what the condition is of the, the land, but more or less like, is there, uh, is the land heavily wooded? Is, a bunch, is there a bunch of trees? Because that's a cost that the buyer would have to take on if there's a bunch of trees that they have to cut down. So that, that's one question you can ask. You can ask, um, you know, not ask. Yeah, you can ask them about a perk test. If you've done a perk test, a perk test, you're just testing the density of the soil, mm -hmm. um, you know, underneath the land. So that's something you definitely want to ask. You want to ask if have they done a survey in the last year, because that's an expense also that needs to be done. And these are things that need to get done uh, throughout the process of buying the land. And now I'm going to be honest with you, not every single market, most buyers do these things. Right. Uh, those buyers, especially in my market, who are just picking up land without doing any tests. They just, if the numbers work, they know their area, they don't got to do anything. They're just taking it. So fortunately enough for me, I got, I, I lucked out, but there's other areas where buyers have to um, do these things. So you always want to make sure you're locking up the contract for at least 60 to 90 days on average. I wouldn't tell anybody that, Hey, I could get it done in 30 days. What I always tell people is, um, I'm going to close this out. I mean, I could get this done within 60 to 90 days and then I'll over deliver. I'll tell them I'm going to close out in a longer period of time, but then I get it done. Hey, I could get this done within 30 days. They're like, what really? You said 60. Well, mm -hmm. you get it done within 30 days. Right. Um, another yeah. question you want to ask them is, uh, you know, is the land, you know, not, wetlands is, is it wetlands? Um, what else? I don't remember. All of it, but I think you your script. Yeah, it's been a while since I've done all that. I have my video right. through it now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's mainly the four biggest questions I really asked before moving forward. Yeah. Uh, can you explain a little bit more about the 30 days to 60 days? Why is it a little bit longer for uh, land deals rather than, you know, residential? Because it's usually 30 days or, or less. So yeah, can you walk us through that? Yeah. Yeah, so with land, uh, again, you want to give builders some time to actually test the land because they have to test the land to see if it's even worth their time pursuing. Um, so you have to give them a due diligence period, and that due diligence period, just for a survey alone, can take up to 30 days. Now, because of COVID, ever since COVID, it's been taking a little bit longer than that. So some people don't see a turnaround time until four to five, maybe even six weeks. So that's why you want to extend that time out. And, uh, you know, truth be told, in some some areas, land is a little bit harder to sell. Mm -hmm. um, it's not always cutthroat. So land, you do want to give us a grace period to sell. Um, and that's the reason why. So it's also leverage on your end, because if you give right. yourself a grace period, if you can't find a buyer within 30 days, hey, look, you got another 30, even uh, 60 more days to find that buyer. And literally the buyer 
mainly needs around 30 to 45 days just to test the man and see if this is something that he wants to take down. Um, so survey and perk test is really why it's needed for the length of the period as to why you're uh, you know, having it under contract for so long. Nice. Awesome. And that's where you can use in your conversations with the sellers. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. if you're coming off, it's like, why, why you need 60, 90 days? Well, you know, ma'am or Mr. Seller, you know, we'll, we have to, you know, run perk tests. So it tells you it's never been done. You know, it, it will vary on, on the markets. Um, right. The lots that I've worked out here in Cali, it, it does vary on the buyer too, where mm -hmm. um, my buyer, he flips land. Like he'll mm -hmm. set up all the plans He'll get all the tests done and then he puts it on the market. Yeah. Um, so he's like, whatever, it's in a good area. I can deal with it. Like that, that's just kind of like his process. So it, it, it will vary, but it's good to kind of have that awareness anyways. And once you familiarize yourself, because, uh, you know, I've followed up with some leads on, in, in your market um, and it is a little bit different, right? You have to recognize like, is there power? Is there water like set up already? Because that will, that will affect the price yeah. too, right? Um, <laughs> And that's something you can use for negotiations. Yeah. And that's where I had to pick your brain. Like, wait, where do I check this? And so, yeah. um, whereas, you know, where I'm at, like, it's not, it's not really that big of a deal. Um, but yeah, tell us like, also, like, I'm assuming those would be good questions asked too, where it's like, mm -hmm. you know, if there's like water, power connected. Yep. Yep. That, those are, that, those are the other questions I forgot to uh, mention. <laughs> is there water, water connected? Is there utilities, power, things in that nature? You definitely want to find that stuff out. Uh, because at the end of the day, that's actually going to help you when it comes to negotiating with people about their, yeah. their, their land. Uh, because you're going to let them know, hey, look, I gotta, we got to install a septic tank in this lot. And septic tanks vary um, depending on the market. So you, you can tell them about that. And all these other expenses that come with it, you can let them know why you're offering the price that you're offering them. Um, another gym that I'll give you guys, I normally, because most people, I don't know how uh, a lot of people come into, you know, land, uh, you know, with their opening script. But me, normally, I always come in as if I'm the land developer. Mm. The reason why is because I want to inform the seller right mm. off the fact that I'm not a builder, okay? But I also am a professional and know what I'm doing. Mm. Now, essentially, what a land developer is, is essentially mm. he was just asking, I mean, was just mentioning somebody who's coming in and doing all the necessary work that's needed to get the land up to par for it to be buildable. Right. And then they go off and sell it to a builder or they put it online and, you know, flip it in because the value of it is a lot more because everything, all the legwork was done. Right. So that's why I come in. I tell them, in a, hey, look, I'm a lady. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a small local family business. I work with a lot of builders. And this way, too, you know, when they see your assignment of contract or they see that you're making something from it, you can also refer back to them like, hey, look. I told you I'm a land developer. This is this is what I do, and that's a builder that I work with, and he's the one who's taking it down. I've never had an issue with that, so I, I figured I'd share that. That's a bar right there. Yeah, that's, that's a bar, a bar for sure. I love that. I may I may use it. I, I mean, usually for me, I, I do say like we're an investment or development firm or something like that, um, and I never come off as a builder either because. Um, I think I dealt with one where somebody was like, wait, you can resell the the property like right after you, you buy. It. And I was like, hey, you know, stuff comes up. Uh, maybe we'll find mm -hmm. uh, a builder or, you know, 
the county, the city declines our, our plans, stuff like that, where we can. So those, those are always kind of ways to wiggle around that uh, that clause that you have. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've all kind of been through it. Um, but you talked about you have a VA. Uh, so tell us how your business is structured now versus, you know, when you got started, we're inconsistent. Like what's kind of your role now um, in your business? Gotcha. So essentially right now I'm... Um, I'm the guy, lead manager, just come in. I'm the guy who's coming in and, uh, you know, locking the deals up. So she's filtering all the, the leads. Uh, normally we use Batch Dollar and we use, we've been using lately Marketing Plex. We switched over from IRFI to move over to Marketing Plex. Um, so we're doing SMS and we're doing cold calling. She's filtering them out. She's pushing it to me. Then I'm going in and, uh, you know, asking the lead a lot more questions to just make sure that they, they're right fit for what we are in how our process, our, how, how the process in my company is to see if we're a good fit for each other. And then, um, you know, if, if it's a deal, I get it done and locked up and we move forward from there. Um, so that's essentially what it is. I do have an uh, initiative for my VA. Uh, it started off at uh, 1%. I think she's at 3%. Me personally, I, to some people, it is a lot. Um, but I, I, personally, I personally love to pour into people who's helping me out. That's yeah. just my motto, who I am. If you're helping me, I'm going to be more than healthy, happy to help you out. Even if you're not helping me, I love helping people. I love giving back. That's just the nature mm -hmm. of me. Um, so I, I gave her a percentage, which I think is a very good fair share, um, that she's really helped me out with closing a lot of things. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what was your process on the VA? Did you go through a lot of VAs first or to find this? Oh, one? man, let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> Uh, so I actually lucked out. I lucked out. So my process was pretty simple as, as far as um, figuring out how to find a VA. Um, I jumped on Facebook, Rear Group. I forgot exactly what the name of the group is on Facebook. I put my ad there. I did what, what is called the um, Easter Egg Strategy. So I made my, my ad and then I put inside the ad, hey, look, uh, you know, include your favorite color inside the title or inside the, um, you know, what, what is the other part? Well, like the, the message that they sent yeah. back? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. Include it somewhere so yeah. I, I can see that you read through this entire ad and not just submitted your application. Right, right. Um, and what that did was because I got literally like almost 100 applicants in. But what I did was I, I filtered through all of them because I wanted to see who actually read through the uh, the ad and see who added the color in it because I told them to put it in bold and literally it broke it down to 30. 30 people who actually did it. So now, you know, out of all of that 100, I'm down to 30. Now from that 30, I went through another filtering process where I sent them, I'm like, hey, look, we want to move forward with you. I sent them over a script to read um, and also told them to tell me a little bit about themselves and why they think they're a good fit. They reached, I mean, they sent it back to me um, and then I filtered it down some more. I picked the people who sounded, you know, you know, not, not everyone, they have that tough accent. So I tried to right. find someone who didn't have that tough accent. Um, and it did take a process. It literally took like, I think four, three to four steps. After I did that, I had a, a interview with them. So I broke that 30 down to, I believe 12, had an interview with every single one of them. Um, got on the phone with them, seen how they were on the phone, made sure that they themselves was uh, actually showing their face so I knew who, they who I'm talking to. 
Um, and then after that, I broke it down to literally like the last four. And uh, we did one more cold call role play, and then I filtered it out that way. So I got pretty lucky. It took some time, but I think because of that process, it really helped yeah. me narrow down um, a good VA because a lot of them really didn't want to go through that process. They're like, this shit is they know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. They, I don't think you, you got lucky. Work I, think you had a, I think you had a good system in place that like at every uh, phase, you were able to like filter out, you know, the, the bad apples uh, and get to like the last like strong four. Um, mm -hmm. so I think that's a great process that many people mm -hmm. don't uh, don't understand. Part of hiring a good VA uh, is like you don't just put an ad out and then like interview everybody. There has to be a filter system um, to cancel people out. Otherwise, like you're, you're not going to have time to interview 100 people. Um, so you want to narrow it down as much. So I, I love that process. Um, is this VA only doing is are they doing like admin stuff or just like a cold calling? Just cold calling. Um, I had her for a little bit doing SMS, but I realized a lot of a lot of times when you're dealing with a lot of VAs, they're 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 really like copy and paste. You tell them right. to do something, they're gonna copy it exactly. and paste it instead of being different or instead of trying to open up. I think it's a language barrier, but at the same time, is I personally feel like if you understand how to have a conversation in your language and you know how to speak another language differently. It shouldn't be that much of a language barrier. Not that much, at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, but through text, it wasn't going well because she would see, she would get certain responses in and wouldn't know how to respond to them. And then mm -hmm. she would either send a template that I made created for her or she'd send something simple that was unnecessary to send. And mm -hmm. I was losing leads that way. So I took over that end. Um, but right now I'm actually in the process of trying to figure out how I can get somebody on that, on that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's where like your process or SOP comes into play. But even then, um, you, you can only hold some of these hands for so long. And if it's just not going to work out, you kind of have to pivot. Um, yeah. So um, what's kind of your are you planning to kind of stay lean as long as possible? Um, like as you work your way out of the of um, your business or what's kind of the plans the next kind of um. month? That's actually a great question. So I do not plan on building like this massive post on I mean, operation. What I do want is a strong five to at max seven people, yeah. including myself, where we're all together as a tight niche, a tight little family, and we're, we're pumping out deals left and right. Um, so that's more or less what I'm looking for because I have a lot of other things that I've got going on in life that I want to achieve. Yeah. Um, and that that's another thing, you know, not to just fall off topic a little bit. I tell people this all the time, you know, in life is about finding out what works for you, not necessarily doing what everybody else is doing because you see shiny objects and a lot of money being made. That's not what life is about, in my opinion. Life is about getting up every single day, being happy about what it is that you're doing. If you're selling socks every day and that's making $50,000 a year, mm -hmm. I hope you do it, you're happy. That's the goal I'm trying to achieve with myself, is just giving you know, peace and happiness. Um, I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's that's what we talked about too. Is, I mean, the money's nice. Not not gonna lie, uh, getting that you know closing those deals, but it's um, you can only do it for so long as well. Mm -hmm. It's like it's sustainability. There has to be some passion behind it, um, and and I think 
that's where like mentality goes it comes into play as well is um where why people like make so much money then end up losing it because they never had the right foundation from the beginning mm -hmm. um and so it's like you're literally building a foundation and and being an entrepreneur is not easy at all uh it's super hard and why yeah. so many people we've talked about the stats right tim like yeah. Like the first year, I think 90% fall off. And then the second year, it's even worse or like yeah. a couple years. Yeah. So it, it's tough. It is. It's, it's pretty bad. Um, it, it's crazy because when you look at the statistics of it, it's like nowadays you got a lot of people transitioning into wanting to be an entrepreneur because they see like all this stuff going on, oh, yeah. all this noise going on, but they really don't realize like the hardship that comes with it. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the reality is, is like, you don't know when the next check is coming. You got to yeah. It's like, I got a newborn, you know, uh, just had a newborn. He's about to be three months at the end of the week. Uh, so wow. you don't know. Congrats. Like, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, you don't know when the next check is coming in. So if you don't know how to, you know, deal with that pressure, you're going to fold and you're more than likely not going to want to do it. And it's going to rub you the wrong way, you know? So I tell most people too, who want to get into entrepreneurship, you know, especially if you want to get to the world of entrepreneurship, stay with your nine to five, work it out, build your business on the side. When that business starts to outweigh your, um, your nine to five, or even if it levels off, then you can make the right decision, whatever works best for you. And your family. Yeah. Um, one, one of the questions I had was that, like, I know you're in wholesaling land and is there an opportunity that you could uh, go into development or, you know, since you have re uh, relationships with these builders, would this be an opportunity for you to maybe partner up with them to where they put in the money, you own a percentage of that and then kind of learn that process? Or have you even thought about that part for going into the future for your business? Um, I, I haven't put too much thought on it, Tim. Um, but honestly, what, what I did plan on doing is probably more than likely like being like a smaller developer myself, mainly mm -hmm. just, just, I, I think coach talked about this where you get like a big, massive acre, you mm -hmm. subdivide all of them, you sell them off to builders to do yeah. that. Not necessarily to go ahead and build a big yeah. hotel or whatever it is that they're building, not necessarily that. I mean, if I wind up dabbling into that, I may uh, just learn it just a, a tad bit or partner in with people and just put up the money and, uh, you know, be in a process like that and not necessarily do that. Mm -hmm. Again, like I got a lot of things that I really uh, am looking forward to do. Like I told you guys, I'm a big giver and I'm trying to figure out a way where I can actually be an advocate to help people in this world um, and do whatever it is that they want to do in life. So that's something that I'm really focused on. Um, but at the same time, too, you know, uh, just making sure that I'm growing out a sustainable business is extremely important to me, you know? Yeah. Are you planning to, like, buy and hold properties? Like, what's kind of your plan now? Um, kind of we understand, like, what maybe you want to move forward with your business. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, like, you know, owning assets, is that kind of like the next, next step for you? Yeah, uh, it's definitely an opportunity there that I look forward to doing. Um, I definitely want to do that. Honestly, I would love uh, to do it to where, you know, coach set it up. Uh, bless, bless that man. He, he's really been. Shout out to Chris. He's been a huge advocate in my life, man. Uh, so I, I plan on owning property. Uh, but 
do it exactly the way he kind of does it, where I'm coming in and kind of acting as the bank and uh, utilizing that to my leverage rather than yeah. just out, out, outright owning it. Now, I'm not saying I won't. I definitely will be owning properties. Um, and my uncle, he's in the business as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's huge into um, multifamily. Tim, you love doing that. He's huge into that. So I know I'll be dabbling into that and just put yeah. my money into that. Looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, one random question, not necessarily random, but we talked. We've been talking recently. We had a call with Chris about the market. Have you mm-hmm. noticed a difference in your markets, like with land, um, with the ongoing like recession, um, or is it still kind of usual? So right now, for the market that I'm in, it's still kind of neutral. But I have spoke to them briefly about that, so they are, you know, uh, being cautious about what they're buying and how they're buying. So mm-hmm. it did change a tad bit. So, like for example, uh, you know, they were they were at a time picking up land that was uh, waterfront or near canals. Now they're not even picking it up because mm-hmm. it just it takes literally like a year and a half for them to install a seawall. And in mm-hmm. order for that land to be desirable, you need a seawall. So if it's not there, they're not trying to deal with that stuff right now. So that 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 shift. Um, but as far as like the price point that they're buying at. It's still the same, but I wouldn't be surprised if it changed. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and that's a conversation we had too last week. Um, my my buyer who I've worked with, who's also a developer and um, builder in a sense too, He's he's been telling me, he's like, hey, interest rates are going to, and maybe this varies by market as well. California being just a crazy uh, market. Um, and so he's been telling me, he's like, you know, we're, before we maybe were be able to pick it up at this price, but now we have to be a little bit around this price range for it to make sense for us to kind of validate risk and, and everything. So right. that's also another part of like pivoting, right? Like mm-hmm. understanding what's going on in the market, understanding what your buyers, cause they need to pivot too. Mm-hmm. Um, builders need to pivot. Maybe the costs of like building um, obviously is, is can be a lot. Uh, with the materials. So it's, it's just taking those things into consideration when you're negotiating with the seller as well. So um, I, I love that. Uh, but yeah, oh, go ahead. That's something extremely important. To your point, that is huge. This is why you should definitely be in contact with your buyers because what they're seeing and what they're saying, you can use that as leverage to speak to the sellers. Mm-hmm. You're confident because you yeah. know what you're talking about. You use that to talk to, the, to talk to your sellers and, and inform them about what's going on in the current market and let them know as to why you can't buy it at the price you need to be bought at. Um, and, you know, honestly, I see a lot of times with sellers, it's just they're informed. Like, yeah. you know, when you're reaching out to people and they're giving you these ridiculous numbers, for one, they're getting annoyed by a lot of people. So you got to understand the frustration where they're coming from. For two, they're telling you some crazy number because they realize they, if I tell you a crazy number, you're just going to leave me alone. And then for right. three, a lot of them are just un, uninformed about what's actually going on in the market. So if you take the time and explain that to them, you you will have a lot more success. That's something that I transitioned to uh, just the last two months because I realized I had to do that in order for me to keep pumping out there. Right. Cause yeah. it's, uh, it's out there. And even my mm-hmm. buyer will be like, Hey, send this to the seller. Cause you know, if we're, if I'm working a lead and the seller's just not budging on the price or is a little unrealistic, 
uh, it's, you know, you, you want to educate them. Um, and so I'll send them articles like, Hey, this is what's going on. Uh, you know, whatever the price we're at, uh, we're offering now, it may not be the case next month. You know, I, I think I coined fat Joe's quote. Um, so <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just, it is what it is. I think wholesaling, I see it as a, you're in the business of helping people. Right. And like, um, guiding uh, our sellers, especially it'll probably be a small case where the seller is even more educated than you are. So you kind of have to like, you know, come up to their level so that, you know, they don't look at you as like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. But for the yeah. most part, most of the sellers don't know are uninformed. So yeah. you have to like be that, um, that guide for them, mm-hmm. uh, where they trust you. Uh, and that's where, you know, you want to set the right expectations because you don't want to say one thing, uh, and they took your word and then you did do another thing because then that, that kills a deal as well. So uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a super huge point. And for people starting out as well, um, once you get really comfortable with the script, you kind of yeah. then can kind of navigate and like, you know, using uh, your knowledge and why you should be reading up with what's going on to educate your sellers um, and um, just come off as like, you know, you kind of know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, AG, it, it's funny going back to the script just a little bit. So that that was another point or another factor that was hindering me from actually moving forward with uh, getting deals done. And I think that happens a lot with just wholesalers starting out. Right. I think what a lot of people need to do is just like kind of play with it and just realize like, hey, look, this is a conversation. And this is something I tell my, my VA all the time. I'm like, look, right. these individuals don't know you. They only hear you. They don't know you. So if you say anything that's remotely wrong, guess what? We can hang up the phone and give them a call back within the next. Mm-hmm. Or I can call them back as somebody else. You oh, know, yeah. Really that's yeah. You know, so just try to keep that conversation on the phone genuine. So I tell people who was just starting out, get the script, find a partner, go to your, your parents, your brother, your siblings, mm-hmm. just shooting it with them with the script but uh, you realize like at the end of the day um it's, it's literally just a conversation i think where a lot of us go wrong is that just because we don't know how to answer the question or how to properly uh yeah, yeah just answer the question that they ask so if someone asks us a question that we don't know how to answer that's where a lot of us get stuck at and get scared mm. and don't want to actually yeah. take initiative um and how you do that is through trial and error there's no other mm-hmm. way you yep. have to keep going at it. So at first you're gonna sound bad, but that's perfectly fine. But the mm-hmm. more you do it, the more easy it becomes. And take this from someone who I told you from the beginning had a lot of self-doubt. I oh, realized yeah. I, you know, I was on the phone, I was like, I don't know if I could really do this, just talking to people. All it is, is just repetition. Once that repetition yep. comes in, that confidence comes in, once you start knowing what you're talking about and what you can do that helps is start reading in your reading up what's going on in your market. Yep. Be informed, be knowledgeable about what's going on. Speak to your buyers, speak to title companies, speak to everybody. So you have an idea mm-hmm. of what's going on. So when someone asks you a question and you know, you can educate them, you can inform them. And if they ask you something that you don't know how to uh, respond to, Hey, look, you know what? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Right. I'm going to get back to my partners and see if I can get the answer for you and I'll, I'll get back to you. But in the meanwhile, mm-hmm. continue on the conversation. It's simple yeah. Yeah. yeah, just being genuine, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, I think everybody kind of sped through the 
the script at first and yeah. sounding robotic and yeah. you know and then kind of you know I I didn't even take a breath the first time I was not even letting them get a word out you know you get that click you know yeah. so it's but making it your own and you know kind of get familiar with it and stuff and then like you said I tell people all the time that you know look what's happening in your market because that is a conversation piece that you could talk with your sellers about like because if you kind of know that area you you know you can say hey you know that that walmart is uh, being built in like two years they already got the contract there and on that piece of land and you know that's going to increase the value of you know this particular area because you know it's going to draw more people to this neighborhood so it's yeah. just you know just having those normal conversations on pieces that you've read or you hear on the news or just be informed like you were saying yep that's all it takes at the end of the day uh taking the time to do due diligence and uh, do your homework and just know what it is that you're talking about become informed so you can inform um yeah. it literally it it, it really helps you out in the long run. I tell a lot of people that. I'm a firm believer in that, that uh, mm -hmm. fear, which, you know, we talked about, right. And where um, was it false evidence appearing real? I said, I always say knowledge just knocks fear out. It's like, whatever you're fearful of, just learn the shit out of, of whatever it is. Like, mm -hmm. so if it's like cold calling, I'm going to read whatever it is. Don't get stuck in analysis paralysis, of course, but like, right. I'm going to educate as much on what it is that like, I'm, I'm, I'm a little hesitant about or scared about, and then I'm just going to conquer and, and, and take it over. And a lot of times it's just whatever's in our head. Um, but that's always a great way is to educate yourself so that it just becomes second nature. Uh, it's not something that's like new, uh, but it takes practice. I think we've yeah. talked about it too. Um, in today's society, everything's flashy, IG, everybody's flossing their cars or whatever it is. And um, and so people coming up, they, they just expect quick results like that. It, it'll, it's rare. Some people do have that. It's just, you know, just in the right place, right time. Mm -hmm. But for, for the most part, for most of us, it takes some time to build build that out. And that's okay. You know, that I think I think people just come in with these expectations of like, oh, man, but I'm not where, you know, Chuck is. It's like, well, how long have you been? In? Oh, oh, two months. Like, come on now. You got to give yourself time. Yeah. To build out. Um, and, and just people just we live in a society where everybody just wants everything now. Um, yeah. So it, it's it's tough. It's just you got to learn the hard way. But, um, you know, th that's always a, a, a tip that I like to give people. It's like. Just, just be consistent. Just follow, do the same thing every day, and like, just watch to see what happens. Like, mm -hmm. don't be so hard on yourself. If, 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 if people understood that, the simplicity <laughs> of that, right, they would be a lot more successful. And I say this because it's a fact. Literally, it just takes consistency. Yeah. Doing it every single day, even the days you don't want to do it, you do it. Right. You realize, or what the results that you're gonna see, you're gonna see a difference. I guarantee you. Will. Um, now that diff that the results may be different from your peers, but you can't compare yourself to, you know. Right. Uh, it's so hard though. People, I mean, when we started out, like you know, who were we comparing ourselves to? We were comparing right. ourselves to right. being in a group. 
um, and seeing people's successes. And uh, in the beginning, it, it is a little intimidating, but then you, you kind of use that as motivation, right? Like, mm-hmm. not like, well, what, why are they doing that? It's like, it's not about you. Like, you know, when it comes to that, like they're, you know, that's them, you're, you're you. So just like what works for you and just like focus on that. Um, it's just, um, I don't know. It's, it's just a society we live in now, but yeah. It, it, it is, and that, that's just the um the truth behind it. But a lot of people too don't don't even realize like, all right, yeah, Tim or G may have closed a fifty thousand dollar deal, but do you know the backstory on that fifty thousand dollar deal? Mm-hmm. Do you know if they've been speaking to that person for a year, two years? Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. know if they had to go through two, three buyers before the deal was closed? <laughs> you you don't know the backstory, like something exactly that unicorn. Right, it is mm. cool. It can happen. Some people do have the unicorn, but at the same time, most of this business, there's a lot of hurdles and bumps that you got to go through. And it is what it is. It comes with the business, you know. It's part of it. But uh, again, to your point, G, a lot of people see that I call it like a, a shiny object syndrome. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 100%. they me, "Oh my gosh, I'm about to make fifty thousand dollars on the deal." <laughs> Never leave with money. Never. Uh, it's never no. about the money. But it, it no, kind of no. is. Once you, once you get it, it's like, all right, cool. this is cool. But yeah. like when you go into a deal, when you focus on just the money, on what you would make, that's where, you know, usually you start noticing things like happening. It's just just focus on solving the problem until you get that check or that wire. Yeah. And, and the rest is history. Um but you know, fifty thousand dollars, like who's not? I know, it? right? Right. <laughs> you realize that as things start to take up, it's it's crazy because you know I got deals coming in, and I'm like, I remember when my first uh, five figure deal closed. I was like, I- I'm not gonna lie to you, I- I'm not a crier, but I cried. I was like, mm. it it was just a sense of relief for me. Like, wow, this is something that we've done. Yeah, that's powerful. Like, wow, it, it, this is something that I. For me to know that I did that after trying for two years on the previous business that I lost a lot of money on, mm. it's, it's huge for me personally. So, you know, it wasn't even more about the money. It was more about like, your proof of concept. I got this done. It's possible. You know, right. and then another huge thing is like your support system. I'll be very mm-hmm. honest with you guys. Like yeah. my girlfriend, we've been together for going on 11 years this year. Oh, wow. I've been through a lot of business. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, congrats. Um, I've been through a lot of businesses. I've been through a lot of things. I've tried a lot of things. And I'm gonna be honest with you, she sat there and you know, rocked with me through everything. Did not doubt me not one time, did not say, Hey, I don't think you should do this, you're losing. Even when I was losing money, you know, some may say she should have told you, but at the same time, she allowed me to be me and try. Mm-hmm. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, that's all I was asking, just just some 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 type of support. Um, but what that did was it allowed me to, you know, find something that worked and run with it, you know, um, instead of having someone in my ears telling me, you know, it, it, that support system really does help in a place that it is. Absolutely. Yeah, that's 100%. That, that's that's a, a huge shout out to the the girlfriend. Um, yeah. I think that's uh, that's a huge point. We've talked about that too on the on the podcast. Um, you know, Tim and I are really close. And uh, Chuck, you and I have like hopped mm-hmm. on the call. It's just like, yeah, just just call someone up. Like, I think um, I've also learned too when you're at the verge of burning out or feel overwhelmed, like just pick up the phone and just mm-hmm. talk. It's just talking with somebody that's either um, above you or you know, just kind of going through the same process. Um, just talking about like already. Mm-hmm 
feels like you have these this weight off your shoulders um where it's like all right i'm not alone or i got it out all right let me let's let me pick it back up again um Mm -hmm. but it's normal you know to feel that um so having a strong foundation of people that you trust um and want to help you grow uh i think that's that's just you can't compare that to, to anything no you, absolutely not. Um, and another thing I tell people too is like, don't don't be afraid to invest in yourself. Um, and yeah, I'm sure 100%. you guys had people who came in and you know talked about you know taking a chance on themselves that you know they didn't have anything that was at their bottom, but at the same time they still you know had some urge in themselves to invest in themselves. Like getting groups where there's like-minded people like you. Like I'm in an area where there's no one, literally no one who does what I do. Right. Mm. Um, so I had to put myself around like minded individuals and I got connected with the youth by the grace of God. I got connected with Tim G, mm-hmm. you know, and I was speaking to people who was like minded, who I could go talk to, lean on. If I'm having issues and struggles, um, I, I definitely, you know, had that support. And one person I, I, I shout out this guy all the time is my guy, Keith and Harris. Mm, uh, man. Yeah, man. He, he's been a blessing to me in my life, man. You know, shout out to that dude. Uh, you know, I one day on a call with Coach, you know, we was talking about accountability partner. He just jumped out the blue. He's like, "Yeah, man, give me a call." And ever since then, we've been talking, and he's literally been helping me out through this entire business. So definitely lean on someone if you need help, um, because it, it's, it's crucial to your success. Especially, so not all of us have it in us to strive and actually do you know the things that we need to do and keep pushing to get where we need to be and that's perfectly okay that's, mm-hmm. that's okay nothing mm-hmm. is wrong. lean on somebody it's okay to get help it's right. okay somebody yeah, else it's okay it's, it's perfectly fine there's nothing wrong with that. i love that yeah well man it's been a an hour already um but before we go i want to make sure uh what do you want to leave the audience with today um kind of, you know, people getting started, whether they want to get land. I'll let you think about that for a sec, but appreciate all you guys who been on the call. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. show some love. Follow Chuck if you don't already at I am I am McEwen on mm-hmm. IG. Um, hit the like, subscribe button. Uh, would love to have you guys on. But yeah, Chuck, what, what do you want to leave the... So one one fact that I will leave everybody with is follow up this Mm. I'm going to be very everybody, right? Um, No matter how bad you are on the phones, if you stay consistent with following up with people that you're speaking to, and eventually you're going to realize it's just a conversation. You're going to get comfortable with that person you're speaking to. So it's no longer going to be solely about the house, but figuring out who this person is, what their situation is. Follow up is key. Everybody could get at least one deal done, guaranteed, as long as you stay consistent. Mm-hmm. Business is not really hard. It's just consistency. And yep. devoting your time to stay consistent and follow up, you get a deal done. So that I leave everybody with that. That's, that's, that's a bar. It's a mic drop. Yeah, that's right dope. There. Yeah, there you go. It's, not, it's, it's the thing. It's like not sexy. It's just like <laughs> follow up. Just do, that's it. Set up a follow up system. That's it. That's it. Oh, one, one more thing I, I'll leave too. So when you initially get on the phone with people, don't think of this conversation as I'm going to get this deal done today. Think of everybody you speak to as a follow-up. Hey, I'm nurturing this lead. I'm informing this person who I am, what my process is, what it looked like. And then maybe not today, maybe not two months, maybe 
six months down the line, this is a possible lead or deal mm-hmm. that we get this done. But think of it that way when you speak to people. Please stop looking at it as when I get to get on the phone with someone, they have to sell today. That is mm-hmm. not how this business operates. I don't want to see no more people hurt themselves uh, in this business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's easy to set up a dialer and call and just mm-hmm. keep calling. But yeah, we can do with all the other um, people that you talk to already. So huge, huge bar. Hope you guys got so much out of it. Chuck, thank you so much. It wasn't yeah. that bad. It wasn't that yeah, bad. Yeah, bro. I appreciate yeah. you guys. Hey, you such amazing <laughs> things. Uh, so many people, I'm sure, got so much out of it. And you're helping people already just by coming yeah. on. So super excited to see what you have in store. Um, definitely hope. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be closing a deal at some point uh, together. Uh, oh, I, I, already know. <laughs> I already know. I already know. But there you appreciate go. all you guys uh, for hopping on. Uh, make sure to follow us on on IG. We'll catch you guys next mm-hmm. week. Have a great rest of your week, and uh, see you later. Peace. Right. Have a good one, everyone. Thank you, guys. Yeah.